It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Okay. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. But Jeffrey, can you put on the screen, can do, can do. I believe it's in Philippians 14, 13. The Apostle Paul said, I can do. Everybody said, I can do. How are you going to do it? I, I, I love that scripture, and it's been going over and over in my mind today. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Folks, we're living in a time when there's a whole lot of negative things. But we need to look into God's Word and just grab a hold of those positive statements that these great men of God wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And when Paul said, I can do all things, I believe that was put in there so we can join right along with him and say, I can do all things. You can do all things. You say, well, I don't know if I can or not. Well, you know what? You can't. If you don't think you can, you can't. Because that's not believing. We need to grab a hold of I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now also there's another scripture that said, without him I can do what? So we got to put that positive in there because there's another one that says I can do nothing without him, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And He is our strength. He is our very present help in the time of trouble. He is everything that we need. And through Him, we need to get the spirit of, I can instead of, I just don't think I can do that. Because that kind of thinking will tell me and tell the Lord, you got to get a different mindset. We have the opportunity for greater things. And, and we look around tonight, and uh, there must have been more people got sick today. Because... Surely they'd be at church tonight if they weren't all sick. Now, I know there were some folks that were sick this morning.
But I got the good word from them. They're doing better. But they didn't make it to church tonight, but they'll be here Wednesday night. That's pretty good if they make a positive commitment. Praise the Lord. Can we all get a hold of God's Word? Folks, without the Word of the Lord, we would not be able to do His will. And the more we get into God's Word, the more we learn, the more we learn that we can do all things through Christ. Because He will strengthen us. I don't think there's a question. It's we just have to accept it. We were in a meeting yesterday, and there was two people that was making the presentation in this meeting, and both of them were in wheelchairs. They were not able to get up out of those wheelchairs and walk around. They had to roll their wheelchairs. The ladies' hands were like this. She went through a long, long period of healing to come out with both hands just like this. It didn't stop her. She decided she had to do something good for herself to make it through what was ahead. So she decided to go back to college and get her master's degree. She did it. And she went from one thing to another to another to another. Folks, that built a fire in me that tells me there's not anything that will stop us if we'll get the right attitude and put God first. Let Him be the, the director, the driver. I think that lady, if she'd get her fingers straightened out, she'd get back on a motorcycle, which she went around the corner in Lakeland, Florida, many years, I think 26 years ago. And this is where it started. And she is still crippled, but she's not crippled in her head. This is where it begins, folks. It begins in our thinking. We need to think that our God is big enough to do anything. We will ask Him and believe Him and see Him do it. Praise the Lord. God bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. Unless you're a pastor now to come. And if I've messed up something, I want him to fix it. God bless you, brother.
praise the Lord. He didn't mess anything up. Such a sweet, sweet spirit is in this house tonight. We're so glad to have you with us. We welcome you to High Point Church. Just to give you a little update, the doctor sent Morgan home Thursday, reminding them once again that this is simply unheard of. The young lady that, the child I should say, that underwent heart transplant the day after our niece did, has to remain in intensive care for three more months. Morgan's at home. It's just like him. The doctors reminded them this just doesn't happen. Hallelujah. There's something going on besides just the medical field. Hallelujah. I invite your attention tonight to the third chapter of the book of Romans. If I could have about 20 minutes, well, maybe 30. If you got all excited and get really pumped up, maybe I'll go 30. <clears throat> but either Brother David and I have sorely made of some folks upset this morning in teaching and preaching the word. Or we fed them so well that they're just at home tonight, just laid back, just overwhelmed. I'm going to go for the ladder, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to go for the ladder. They're just at home, I mean, just their breath taken away. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I want tonight for just a little while minister to you about the righteousness of God revealed. The righteousness of God revealed. Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse number 20, the Apostle Paul penned these words, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh shall be justified in his sight, for the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you once again tonight for this another marvelous opportunity for us to come together here in your holy presence. We thank you for your presence that is so rich and so real and so magnificent here tonight. As we come to this time of the service for the ministry of your word, for a few moments tonight, we ask that you would anoint the lips of your servant and this vessel tonight that we might bring forth the word of God with power and authority, that we might bring it forth as it would be your will, and we'll give you the praise and thanks for it. It is in Jesus' name. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. The righteousness of God revealed. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed 
how boring and repetitious a strict diet is. Half a grapefruit, dry toast. There's nothing worse than dry toast. Nothing. A cup of black coffee. And it really doesn't sound much, much like breakfast, does it? Now, where I grew up, breakfast was a couple of eggs, a stack of pancakes, some biscuits that mom would bake, and just to get your day started. <clears throat> now you see why I have some of the problems I do now. <laughs> Yet morning after lackluster morning, that's what many people have to look forward to if they want to make any progress fighting the battle of the bulge. And in similar way, the routine ritual of the law was often monotonous, it was often dull. Everything was prescribed. How the priests were to be dressed, how the animals were to be sacrificed, what kind of offering was to be used for specific rituals. It was all laid out in very rigid fashion. There was no room for freedom of creativity. The priests couldn't slip into something a little more stylish. They'd have been in big trouble. Amen? The type of sacrifice couldn't be varied. It had to be according to God's divine instruction. Amen? And the feast days couldn't be changed around. Well, I think we're going to move it on the calendar this year because it kind of conflicts with our other schedule. It just wasn't going to happen. No, the law was very precise about its prescriptions. Yet at the same time, it was transitory in nature. You see, the law was merely a shadow cast by the good things on the horizon of grace. Amen? Grasp that now. Again, it, the, the law was, was, a tr it was transitory in nature. You see, the law was merely a shadow cast by the good things on the horizon of grace. It was pointing to better things to come. Amen. It was pointing to something richer and fuller and, and, and more blessed to all peoples and all nations. Amen. And speaking in somewhat simplistic terms, it's like a cookbook. You're saying, oh, really? Yeah, it's like a cookbook. It represented something far greater than itself. Amen? Does that make sense? It represented something far greater than itself. You know, cookbooks don't satisfy the taste. I, I've never tried to eat one, but I doubt that it would taste very good. That recipe, that page that's got your favorite recipe on it probably wouldn't taste, taste much different than the, the page ahead of it. But, you know, cook, cookbooks don't satisfy the taste, nor do they fill the stomach, nor do they nourish the body. Instead, they point to something beyond themselves, and that's the food. Amen? What the meal is to the cookbook, Jesus Christ is to the law. Amen? What the meal is to the cookbook, Jesus Christ is to the law. And that's what I want to focus on here this evening for just a little while, if we may. Let's first of all, uh, turning our attention to Hebrews chapter 10, and let's, let's talk about the limitations of the law for just a few moments. And, and try to grasp uh, uh, some things there from the law. The, the writer of Hebrews says, For the law having a shadow. Everybody say shadow. You ever have your shadow scare you? 
You ever have your reflection scare you like I have in this building? <laughs> for the law, it's, it's for the law having a shadow. You see that word shadow. The apostle uses the Greek word skia and the Greek word for shadow, and it means a nebulous reflection. A mere silhouette, a form without reality, if you will. Amen? So the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image or the very form. Now here's another interesting word that I want to to talk about for just a moment. That word image or that word form, it's the word... Uh, it's the word he uses here, which means a complete representation, a detail, reproduction. Amen? It actually does mean a portrait and would mean, would mean a photograph if there had been such a thing in those days. That, you know, they didn't have the Polaroids and all of that back in that day. In effect, he is saying without Christ, you cannot get beyond the shadows of God. You must understand that without the cross, without Jesus Christ, you cannot get beyond the mere shadows of God. We can't know Him without the Christ of Calvary. We cannot even approach Him. Remember, we're talking about the righteousness of God revealed. We cannot even approach Him without Jesus Christ. So the Word goes on to say, it was the shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offered continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they, would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshipers once purified would have no more conscience of sins. Now, at no point did they feel that the price of sin had finally been paid completely. Back under the Levitical priesthood and under the law, they never one time come away from an atonement with the feeling that their sins had been dealt with and had been taken care of once and for all. But there was a continual remembrance of those things that were before. Amen? If they had, they would not have offered another sacrifice. But year after year and Week after week and month after month, they kept sacrificing and sacrificing to take care of the sin. But only on a temporary basis. Amen? After all, you don't keep paying your monthly installments when the mortgage on your house has been completely paid off. Do you? If you do, stop that and put the money in the... No, never mind. You, you don't continue. Once, once that is done, it's done. Amen? Hallelujah. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats could take away sin. Amen. The first limitation is this. The law can never make anyone perfect. Now, please understand, the law is not bad. It never was bad and never will be. But we must understand its significance and what it has done and where it has been fulfilled. The law can never make anyone perfect. You see, the type of cleansing offered was ceremonial. It assured a, it, it assured rather a conformity of a person's exterior life, but provided no power to change things on the inside. The law could not give us life. 
It could not change how we felt and how we thought and, and the inner man. It could not reach us there. Amen? We have to be changed on the inside. And only through the efficacious blood of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of God revealed can we know His changing power. The second limitation is it cannot permanently take away sin. Now in your Bibles, you need to underscore that word, that, that line where it says it is impossible. It says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. You need to underscore that and highlight it. You see, the law couldn't offer continual cleansing. Amen. Its benefits were only temporary. Now, if the sacrifices did anything permanently, it was to make an indelible impression of how temporary its benefits really were. And in reminding people of that, it also reminded them of their guilt. Next year, when it come time to go and offer the sacrifice of atonement for sins, once again, it was a constant reminder of all the guilt that was accumulating and all the sin that was accumulating time after time and year after year. Amen? Just as a speed limit sign sensitizes us to our guilt. You know, you'll be traveling down the highway. I, I'll tell you a little bit. I was going my way to Haines City the other um, Friday, I guess it was. Had to run over there and take, take a look at an issue that we had over there. And I jump out on I-4 and I'm motoring out I-4 and I'm just flowing with the traffic. Really not looking at my speedometer, not paying a bit of attention. No, I didn't get a ticket for those of you that, oh boy. But we're driving along and down the road just before we approached Lakeland. They had a speed trap set up on the opposite side of I-4 and they were pulling them over just right and left. Just the very sight of those officers on the other side of the road pulling people over, it just messed folks up. The brake lights come flying on. Everybody slowed down to the speed limit. So just as the speed limit sign sensitizes us to our guilt when we drive too fast, so the law reminds us of our transgression. Amen. That's what I read to you in the onset of this in Romans chapter 3, verses 20 through 23. It's a reminder. You see, in the repetition of those sacrifices, there was a reminder that all humanity has been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And it also reminds us that we fall short of the glory of God daily, yearly, and eternally. Amen. The righteousness of God revealed. Let's take a few moments and consider the contrast of Christ as it's related here in our passage for this evening. The apostle here, quoting from Psalms chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, places sacrifices in their proper context. And in doing so, the contrast between the sacrifices and Christ stands out very boldly and very clearly in our mind. Watch this as this unfolds. Verse 5 says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do 
your will, O God. Now notice this. Previously saying there's an explanation coming after the apostle reaches back into scriptures and brings his quote. He then offers an explanation. Previously saying sacrifices and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Amen? Hallelujah. And then he says, By that will we have been, look at that, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now, let's look at this in contrast. First of all, in contrast to the offering of animals for sacrifice, Jesus offered his own body. The burnt carcass of a brute creature brought no lasting satisfaction nor righteousness before an eternal altar that cried out for justice. Righteousness could not be obtained in that fashion. You see, the reason no will was involved Watch this. No will was involved. What choice did that animal have? There was no will involved. In fact, it was against the will of that animal. If he probably could speak, he would probably said, you know. At best, the animal would stand in ignorance and submit to the knife. But here's where the contrast with Christ stands out so magnificently. With Jesus A will was involved. Remember when he prayed in the garden, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. He surrendered his will to the will of the Father. Amen. He surrendered who he was. Being God incarnate, he surrendered himself to the will of the Father. Amen. So there's a will involved. A will that submitted obediently to God. Amen. A will that had at his disposal 12 legions of angels that he could have called to rescue him from the clutches of the adversary. But yet he said, not my will, but thine be done. I'm talking about the righteousness of God revealed. It is because of this will submitted to the will of the Father that we are sanctified. Amen. He said, but verse 10, he said, by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hallelujah. The word sanctified means to be set apart for its intended purpose. It means to be set apart for its intended purpose. That's something the law couldn't do. It could not set us aside to be shunned, or, or, or the only thing it could do was set us aside to be shunned. And, and really, uh, it, you know, as it relates to the Gentile nations, it really had a little impact on us as, as, as a Gentile people. But for those who were part of the law, it set them aside to be shunned or to be stoned, but it couldn't set us apart to achieve the fullest purpose for which we have been created, and that is to do the will of God. And we fulfill that purpose when we follow Jesus Christ's footsteps in the altar of sacrifice. Paul said this in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brother, I beg you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, 
And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen? The second contrast I want to address is found in verses 11 through 14. He made one offering rather than many. The apostle here uses the illustration how that the high priest work. It said, and every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Now, this is what the apostle wrote. I didn't write this. He said, he stands daily. The priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. Amen? Verse 12, he said, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those that are being sanctified. You see, when Jesus cried out and called out from the cross, it is finished. The work of redeeming humanity was forever behind him. Never, that's it. He never had to do that again. He doesn't keep coming down from heaven to go through an endless cycle of crucifixions. Amen? Once it was done, it was done. It's over. It's finished. It's completed. One sacrifice for all, offered up once for all, so that there might be freedom for all. The righteousness of God revealed. Let me wrap this up with talking about the benefits to you and I as believers. Now, we can serve God out of a cringing feeling of failure to measure up. Or we can serve him out of a gratitude for the work of grace that he has fully brought into our life. I believe I prefer the latter. Amen? I want to serve him out of the gratitude that I have for him and his, his grace and for his love and his tender mercies for taking my sin and nailing it to an old rugged cross, for taking my life and transforming it to what it has become, for taking me as an individual where the law could not change me, him and his blood and the presence of his spirit can. Amen? So we can serve God out of a cringing, out of a cringing feeling of failure to measure up, or we can serve him out of a gratitude for the work of grace that he has fully brought into our life. You see, grace is by far a superior motivation than guilt. Amen? You see, the reality is this. God doesn't want us running holes on our shoes on some guilt trip. He, 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 he paid the price for that guilt. He doesn't even want us to go back and entertain the idea of all the guilt and the sin that we may have had on us at baggage at one point. Once it is under the blood, it is under the blood. And he, he doesn't want us running holes in our shoes over some guilt trip because we remembered 30 years ago we said this or we done that or we slipped up here or we wasn't this or we was that. or we. That's not the righteousness of God revealed. We must, we must come to the realization and understand that He is our righteousness. He's what makes us holy. He's what makes us complete. And He's what makes us what we are that we can come into the presence of God. 
He doesn't want us living by some Levitical checklist of rules and regulations. He wants us to be free, not just from sin, but from the chafing collar of constraint that the law clamped around around everyone's necks. Amen. God not only wants us to be free, He wants us to live free. Look at verses 15 through 18 as we get ready to wind this up. Remember, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. One cross, one crucifixion, one sacrifice has done it. Verse 15, the beloved apostle writes, But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Amen. Where there is a remission of these, there is no more offering for sin. And very quickly in Jeremiah chapter 31, I share these passages with you as I close. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah prophesying to Israel and to Judah. says, but the days are coming, says the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. No more covenants like that. No more. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Hallelujah. You see, having the law in our hearts, as opposed to an external standard of stone, is the primary difference between the new covenant and the old. Now they are engraved in the corridors of our heart through the presence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now they are engraved in our hearts and our thoughts and our mind in that inner man, if you will. You see, the power of God's Spirit residing within us is sufficient for us to live life fully, to live life fruitfully, and to live life freely, unfettered from the shackles of sin, from slavery to legalism. Amen. Somebody would shout right there. Again, the power of God's Spirit residing within us is sufficient for us to live life fully. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. God's Spirit residing within us is sufficient for us to live life fruitfully and to live life 
freely, unfettered from the shackles of sin and from slavery to legalism. And who in their right mind would want to go back to any system of slavery once the key had been turned to release them from those shackles? Who would want to go back to that? But I can have the Spirit tapping in my heart, offering me direction, speaking to my heart and to my spirit. Amen? Finally, tonight, as you stand, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul writing to the church at Galatia. Paul simply gave them an admonition. After he went through a lengthy letter reminding them of where their salvation came from, reminding them that it was through the blood of Christ that they were saved, reminding them that they received the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, not by the letter of the law, reminding them that it was the blood of Jesus Christ that made it possible for them to know Him. Hallelujah. It was after Him reminding them that all of those things, the ceremonial aspects of the law, could not change the message. Paul said and then told them, he said, Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than, than that which you have heard, let him be accursed. And he says to them in chapter 5 and verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank him for the righteousness of God that was revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. We tonight have been able to enjoy the presence of His Spirit. We've been able to enjoy throughout this day His glorious power because of the righteousness of God that was revealed in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are righteous tonight because... He is righteous, and His Spirit abides within. We are righteous tonight because of that efficacious blood of Calvary that has taken all of that behind us and cast it in the sea of forgetfulness. Hallelujah. And even yet tonight, my friend, in the midst of humanity, when we stumble on occasion and we say or do or act in a way that may not be completely appropriate, he said, my little children, I write unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we do have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of of the whole world. He also said if we are, will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you tonight. We thank you for... I thank you. I thank you for your presence. I am not what I was. Thanks to Calvary's tree. Let's worship the Lord for a moment right now. Hallelujah. Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. We are free tonight. Hallelujah. I do want to extend to you an invitation to be here Wednesday evening at 7 